to celebrating our food and telling stories of it. I am Sophie, your host and producer, and this is Our Food Stories, the podcast for us and by us. Episode 14. When was the last time you had offals or cow food soup? I can bet we have all turned our noses to the pungent aroma of this food while at the same time enjoying the depth of flavor it gives. Today's story is a recollection of the first time special guest Sophia Aniku was introduced to the interesting range of offers. Enjoy listening. Sophia Aniku Adengo. I am a journalist, filmmaker, and activist. I live in Kampala, Uganda currently, um, and just call Kampala my home. I have just come off a whirlwind of eight years of being a journalist all around the continent, and that was exciting. To be introduced to new foods from different parts of the continent was really quite a pleasure and an addendum to understanding various cultures and um, the people who make Africa what it is so uniquely. So my childhood food story may not be very exciting, but it definitely left an indelible mark for me. So you may detect an American accent because it is an American accent. Slightly, I think I've become a little bit more African street, I would like to think, in the last um, couple of years. But I grew up in California. And as you know, Americans have a very standardized, more or less, food palette. Uh, it's the burgers from the burger joints. It's um, on occasion, some improvised Chinese food in an American sense and all the other, you know, fast food type uh, things like pizza and ice cream. I think the one thing that I do miss about being in the U.S. is just the variety of foods and in which direction you like them. You know, it, it's always such a sweet treat if you go to, let's say, a coffee shop and they ask you whether you want a different kind of milk or um, you want something different as opposed to sometimes being here and having a standard two or three options. So that I do miss. But back to the point I was trying to make. So in California, as you know, there is a huge uh, Mexican influence because of the border. And um, one of my favorite things to do was to eat Mexican food in all its forms. I particularly like quesadillas. I like, you know, enchiladas. I like anything that has a hint of Mexican, I can definitely get down with. Plus, it sort of mirrors, um, you know, Mediterranean diets, sometimes people will say, and I'm always very comfortable with that. So at the age of 15, when I was in high school, I returned to Uganda. My parents wrapped up their lives and ours in California, and we moved back here to Uganda, which was initially an exciting prospect. But as you know, or anybody knows who's moved either to a different state or a different, you know, country, that there's always, you know, culture shocks. And I remember we moved around the 1st of April a couple of years ago, and, and my sisters and I, I have five, by the way, we're six, came back and they were like, this must be a joke. It's April Fool's Day, right? But it it really wasn't. So we moved back, sunk our roots and started our lives all over again, having had this incredible North American experience and now embracing what our African lives would be like. It sounds strange to separate the two. And sometimes you'd find, especially in certain books, people call it the North and South divide. In the beginning, it did feel that way. Uganda wasn't very developed. It was, uh, you know, the president had just taken over um, and there wasn't so much as a shopping mall in sight. To see KFC now and 
and some of the other main brands that have these eateries around the world or establishments feels almost like a miracle. So back to the story. What did I eat that I thought was like so interesting? So I went to a neighbor's house and she invited me over and her mother was cooking and she was helping her mother cook. So what did we do as girls? We got right into the kitchen and some of us were cutting onions, others were cutting tomatoes and um, you could just smell, of course, the goodness of the food just coming together. And then she pulled out what looked like a towel. Now, mind you, at this point, I had no clue that people eat the inside part of the cow. I'd gone to a fair, you know, those very crazy fairs as a child. I must have been eight or nine. And you know, when they when they have a hole inside the stomach of the cow and they're trying to teach you the various chambers of a cow and you can stick your hand right in to the hole to actually see the chambers of the cow. Yes, I had that experience at eight years old. And so now I'm like, but why would I want to eat those parts? And so I'm having a conflict in this kitchen because this towel has presented itself and an explanation followed that this is the innards of a cow. And then, of course, the hooves arrived. This was going to be our delicacy for the day. Now, you must admit, of course, my family taught me well to be courteous and to just eat kind of like what you're given. That's just standard good manners. But I was flipping out. What in the world was this? And so we cooked and we cooked some more. And the flavors that started out kind of stank, for lack of a better word, you couldn't stay in the kitchen for very long, started to come together nicely in a great sort of cohesive way. And a soup was brewing. But I still protested. Why would you include the cow hooves? I later found out that this dish is actually very popular in Uganda. Some would consider it a little too lowbrow for them. In fact, some people think that it's just, it's just horrible, that this should not be eaten. But I later found out that it did have some health benefits. But can you imagine me sitting at that table and having the first scoop of the towel put on my plate while the hoof was sort of still kind of lingering in the pot? Cooked, mind you, but still there. I just looked out the window and I was like, yes, I understand culture shocks, but this is the shock of all shocks. I did have as an accompaniment what is called matoke. If you're not familiar with what matoke is, matoke is mashed bananas. It's a certain type of banana that is considered a staple food, especially in the southern part of Uganda. So the matoke coupled with the mulokoni, coupled with the greens, you know, some people would call them standard greens, and um, soup was served. I took one bite of the towel and I was like, well, no wonder it's called a towel. It looks and kind of moves around in your mouth a little bit like an actual towel. But as I took the bites, there was flavor in it. And I couldn't believe that me who was mortified between the hoof and the towel was actually having a positive reaction. Now, as I grew older, yes, I'm jumping forward. As I grew older, I found out that this dish was actually, well, it was served in many people's homes and there was a reason for it. Um, in order for you to sustain your body, your health in Uganda, you have to always have supplements. And people don't always, at that time anyway, have access to these supplements. Um, so Mulokoni and very many foods have the benefit of giving you iron-rich sources. It um, helps boost your blood levels and just general well-being. Plus the calcium, right? Also plays an important role because it heals your blood vessels and, you know, it aids for those people who have clots, blood clots, and all these other complicated health issues. Um, it plays a small role in getting you into a better state. Obviously it's the protein that we're taking in and all the other sort of benefits. But my Molokoni experience 
is indelibly burned in my brain. Now, the obvious question would be, have you had Mulokonyi again? And the answer, I'm afraid, is yes, I have. I know that the central point of a Mulokonyi dish is the cow hoof, but I later found that you could make a slightly modified version where it's almost like a broth, where the parts of the cow that are on the inside are made into a bowl of soup, cleaned first, and made into a bowl of soup. And when I tell you that there is a way that an African mama and dad too can cut up that dish, boil it for hours on end, many start at 5 a.m. and move way into the night and serve it probably like at 10. It's not unusual in Africa to have meals well after 10 o'clock with the family. It's the essence of it. You just can't be alone. You have to wait until everybody is settled and then food is served regardless of the time. And when I tell you that Mlokoni went in good, I was a very happy person. It's not for everyone. It was quite the experience. And especially if you are concerned with things like intricate health and hygiene, it could be a stretch. Believe me, I totally understand. But there is some love behind the dish. There is some age old wisdom in this bowl that seems disgusting to some. But I walked away understanding that in my country, there is a way in which people use the least of resources to make the best experience. Thank you, Sophia, for that wonderful recollection. I love that you mentioned that aside from it being really tasty, Morokonyi has a lot of nutritional value. Leave a comment on this episode and let us know which part of the story you loved the most. Aside from journalism, Sophia has an African clothing brand called Ankara Kampala, which sources handmade adire material from Nigeria and many parts of the continent to create one-of-a-kind pieces. Through Ankara Kampala, Sophia hopes to push for more African visibility in the world of fashion. You can find Ankara Kampala at the Bold in Africa store, which is located in Kisementi. You can also follow Sophia on Instagram at s underscore aniku to see more of her work. Remember, if you have a delicious food story that you'd like to share, you can reach out to me via email at akitcheninuganda at gmail.com or on Instagram at akitcheninuganda. Don't forget to share the podcast with others, to leave a review or a rating, and to comment on your favorite stories wherever you listen. See you in the next episode.